Ah, Barcelona, that Mediterranean paradise where fabulous architecture, beautiful people, and world-class cuisine combine and create an enviable, affordable lifestyle in the sun. Or something like that. I don't know. I've lived here for five or six years now, so I don't see it with the fresh eyes of a tourist or recent arrival. And affordable, of course, depends on how much you're earning. But the other day, a friend sent me a link to Tim Ferriss's recent podcast, in which Noah Kagan declares that Barcelona is the new Austin. You can watch it online. It's on YouTube and every other platform. And as a Barcelona resident, I found it to be pretty interesting. So, is Barcelona the new Austin? Well, I agree with a lot of things that Kagan said, and I have some doubts about others. For example, Spain in general has a high density of attractive people, like he says in the podcast. But is it true that Barcelona is like California without all the bullshit? I have no way of knowing. I haven't been to California since about 2002. And what does the new Austin mean exactly? I assume that Mr. Kagan, of AppSumo fame, in case you're not keeping track, means it's sunny, offers a good lifestyle, and might be a great value for the money in the minds of a lot of tech people from the U.S., used to California or Texas prices. And with that, I agree. It's a good place to work remotely. It has a bit of a startup scene. It's even slowly becoming one of Europe's tech hubs, or so they say. So let's talk about some of the good things about Barcelona, as well as a few things you might want to watch out for before you settle here. Hey everybody, I'm Daniel. Welcome back to Spain to Go, the best podcast in the entire multiverse for all things Spain. This is episode 65, and it's all about the question, is Barcelona the new Austin? A lot of this is based on things that Noah Kagan said on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Also, like I said, I've been living here for several years before living in Barcelona. I lived in Madrid, so I've spent in total about half my life in Spain. So first up, Barcelona is a walkable city. This is very true. Barcelona isn't a huge place and it's very densely populated. The buildings are all right next to each other, the streets are mostly narrow, and there aren't a lot of parks. All this leads to a dense urban population and a lot of walkability. In fact, I recently read that some of the most densely populated areas in Europe are right here in the Barcelona metro area. So yeah, dense and walkable. In fact, if you have a couple of hours, you can walk across the entire city. I did it, I wrote an article about it, it's about walking along Avinguda Diagonal, which crosses all of Barcelona from the richest neighborhood to the poorest. Quite an experience. Anyway, there's also not a lot of room to expand. Built on top of a strip of land between the mountains in Parque de Colcerrola and the sea, most of the available land is already built up. Across the mountains, there are other towns like Sabadell and Terrassa, and the flatter areas up and down the coast are populated as well. So if you're just looking for the basics, in almost any neighborhood in Barcelona, you'll be able to walk to cafes, bars, restaurants, and food shops. 
The public transport's not bad either if you're going a bit further. But personally, I can do all my daily shopping and errands on foot. I only take the metro to go to my jujitsu gym these days. Also, I haven't driven a car since I left the US, and there's no real reason I'd ever need one within the city. Next up, Spain has more social fabric. This is something that Tim mentioned on the podcast, the social fabric. I just call it Vida de Barrio, and it's true. There is a lot more social fabric in a city that's built this way. As an introvert, I don't have to constantly be surrounded by people, but it's nice to see the same community of people every day and have people around who, to some extent, recognize and know you. In my current area, the Klot neighborhood, I've already got people I see almost every day. The Pakistani guy in the supermarket downstairs, my wife Morena speaks to him in Hindi. The lady butcher just up the street, who's getting to know my protein needs. The people who work at the cafe where I go to write in the afternoons. All this is within a few blocks of home and creates a sense of community that you might not have living in a far-flung suburb where you rarely see your neighbors. Of course, marrying into a Spanish family will get you a lot more social fabric too, but that's not for everybody. Dating the locals can be fun or not. It depends on what you're looking for. I have a podcast episode about dating Spanish girls. It is probably one of the early episodes, huh? Yeah, it's episode eight. You can check that out. Dating Spanish girls. I've done it. And I lived to tell the tale. Also mentioned on the podcast, Girona, Pujcerda, and nude beaches on Costa Brava. Kagan mentions a few other things about Barcelona, or more accurately, Catalonia, on the podcast. He doesn't use the word Catalonia uh, at any point, but he's talking about places around Barcelona. For example, the cycling near Girona. I've heard a bit about that, but I've only visited Girona once, and that was years ago. Allegedly, the cycling scene in the mountains up there is world famous. Also, I was shocked to hear Kagan thinks Pujcerda is better than Lake Tahoe. I think he's probably referring to the skiing up in the Pyrenees or something, because when I was up in Pujcerda a few months ago, I found it a bit underwhelming. That is also a recent episode in which I contemplate some of the issues around Catalan nationality. Check out episode 51 called Catalonia, France, and Spain. Anyway, I was in Puig Cerda in summer, and I'm guessing it's a different thing in winter. I was just walking around, and I've never been to Lake Tahoe, so I really can't compare the two. Moving on, I do like Costa Brava a lot. It's right up the coast from Barcelona, and Kagan particularly mentions the nude beaches. As I mentioned in a previous podcast about public nudity, among other things, the nude situation is pretty liberal here in Spain. Hypothetically, you can just go nude on any beach. However, in practice, nudists like to be naked around other nudists, and recently the local nudist communities are complaining that too many people are wearing swimsuits on their beaches. So any beach 
can be nudist, but some are traditionally nudist, and they seem to be in a bit of a decline. Having said that, I'm sure that almost any beach in Spain will seem like a nude paradise compared to what we've got back in the U.S. Other than that, Barcelona is very well located. It's a couple hours flight to anywhere else in Europe, and the immediate surroundings and the rest of Spain aren't bad either. We even, like California, have our own wine country. Check out the Penedès area. It's just a quick train ride away. It's the home of Cava, the Catalan Champagne, and a lot of bodegas set up visits. There are some possible downsides to living in Barcelona. Before you make the move, let's talk about a few things that might be a problem. All this comes with a caveat that if you're just going to be here for a few months, it probably won't be a problem. You can ignore all the political stuff, etc. But it is worth mentioning. A further caveat is that I love Spain, and Spain in general has very few downsides. I don't know about Noah Kagan and what other parts of Spain he's visited. I suppose you could have a great experience in plenty of other parts of Spain, Valencia, Malaga, Madrid, obviously. If you need to be near the coast, though, there's plenty of other options besides Barcelona. But since I'm here in Barcelona, let me sell it a little bit. But before that, like I said, we're going to talk about some of the downsides. Number one, the Catalan independence movement. In case you haven't been keeping up with Spanish political news the past several years, and you probably haven't, Barcelona is part of a region called Catalonia, which has been trying to achieve independence from Spain for a while now. It's a very long story. It's quite controversial. I have a series of articles about it on the blog, expatmadrid.com. You can check it out. Anyway, I think full Catalan independence is unlikely to happen, but if it does, watch out. According to history, being a foreigner in a newly formed ethnostate is a bad idea. Like I said, though, a splitting of Spain to form an independent Catalan nation seems unlikely. And if you're a foreigner in Barcelona, you can comfortably ignore most of the political stuff. It won't really affect you. However, in my five or so years here, there have been at least two or three big riots over the independence thing. The civil unrest seems to have died down as people have slowly lost interest after the unconstitutional 2017 referendum for independence. But I guess it could come back. In any case, the riots I've seen weren't very dangerous. There's some smashing of windows and some burning of dumpsters, but it's more symbolic than anything. I had a nice Chinese dinner with some friends during one of the 2019 riots, just 50 meters or so from the police barricade. It was fine. Next up, the Barcelona drought. This could become a bigger problem or not. Currently, the Barcelona area is in something of a drought. There's plenty of water down the coast in Tarragona, and officially Barcelona has a right to pipe some of it up this way. But it's an election year, and according to La Vanguardia newspaper, it would be politically costly to do so. 
Apparently, all our regional politicians would rather see restrictions on water in Barcelona than grow a pair and face some protests. Oh well. For now, we're happy every time it rains. Last week, in fact, the Catalan government declared a state of emergency in 200 towns and cities, including Barcelona. This sounds more dramatic than it actually is. So far, I think it's mostly going to affect public fountains and swimming pools. Last time there was a drought up here was in 2008, and that one suddenly ended with a particularly rainy month of May, saving the local leadership from the pain of having to divert any water from other regions. This time it might be worse, or maybe the whole thing will be over by next week. Only time will tell. Finally, there's the legal issue, which may be a problem if you want to stay longer than your tourist visa allows. Kagan claims that he has spent many months and also 1,500 euros in lawyer fees applying for a digital nomad visa here in Spain, and it still hasn't been approved. That sounds totally normal to me. I wrote an article about the digital nomad visa a year or so ago, and the government promised that the visa process would be much faster in this case, but I've been here in Spain for almost 20 years. I don't trust them to do anything faster. But of course, you can apply. I always like to recommend that you get a good lawyer to talk to you about what you would need to do. It might end up being a quicker process eventually once they've got the kinks worked out of the system. A lot of times these new laws are passed. Nobody knows exactly how they're supposed to be enforced, and it takes a while for things to get up to speed. Other visas that'll get you into Spain are the non-lucrative visa, which lets you live here temporarily if you have enough passive income or a large enough bank balance. Then there's the golden visa, which they'll give you if you spend 500,000 euros on a house, a million euros on stock in Spanish companies or on starting a Spain-based business, or two million euros on Spanish government bonds. In other words, there are various visas, both for remote work and just for hanging out. Being rich helps, but the Spanish definition of rich may be lower than what you're used to back home. A 500,000 euro house, for example, is totally out of reach for most people in Spain, but I bet there are currently 20 million baby boomers in the US who could sell the house they bought in the 80s or 90s for that much and move to Spain to spend their retirement in style. Rich is relative. Finally, Kagan says he's looking into getting legal with the Pareja de Hecho visa, which is what I ended up doing with Morena a few years ago. I got legal through Arraigo Social about 12 years ago, which is a different story. Pareja de Hecho is how we kept Morena legal after her first visa expired. Setting up a Pareja de Hecho a sort of civil union or perhaps common law marriage, I guess, isn't difficult in Catalonia, but getting a work permit out of it afterwards is a bit complicated. It may be less so if one of the people is actually Spanish. Uh, Morena and I are not Spanish, so doing it as two foreign people in Catalonia was a bit tricky. 
So as most of my lawyers in my long history of Spanish immigration processes have told me, just marry a Spanish person. It might still be the easiest way, unless you're ready to drop a few million euros on Spanish government bonds. So is Barcelona really the new Austin? Maybe. I've been in Barcelona for several years, but I still prefer Madrid. That's probably because I spent my 20s there, and life is a lot more fun when you're in your 20s. The big conversation stopper in any Barcelona versus Madrid debate is that Barcelona has all the beaches, which is true. If that's your thing, you'll love it up here. I guess in time, we'll see how many Americans and other tech-savvy nomads end up living in Barcelona. It certainly wouldn't be the first time that a bunch of people did something because they heard about it on Tim Ferriss's podcast. For now, there's plenty of office space. La Vanguardia reports that Distrito 22, a tech-friendly rebranding of the old industrial Poblano area, has a lot of co-working space and a lot of new buildings standing half empty, just waiting for you and perhaps your startup to move in. Hit me up if you're in the area. I'm right up the street. That's about all I've got for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I personally have a long relationship with the Tim Ferriss podcast. I don't know if my uh, general audience out there, I don't know if you, you, the person I am talking to right now, knows about Tim Ferriss. He wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek back in the day, and The 4-Hour Workweek pretty much put me on the path that I am on now. I started an online business. I work more than four hours a week, but the basic idea of having a location-independent online business where you can just do what you want to and work when you need to, I got from Tim Ferriss. Uh, his podcast is about 10 years old at this point. There's a lot of good stuff on there. I've talked about it before on this podcast. Noah Kagan has a new book called Million Dollar Weekend in which he explains how to start a million dollar business over a weekend. I'm guessing that that's not a uh, promise that you will earn a million dollars in one weekend, but that you could start a business and eventually earn a million dollars from it, having started it all in one weekend. I have not read that book yet. I'll probably get around to it at some point. Anyway, the topic of lifestyle design and location-independent businesses might or might not be your thing. I don't know. Leaving it out there. The drought might be worth an extra article at some point. For now, the government says it's going to send boats full of water from the desalination plant down near Valencia. I guess, you know, desalinating seawater for us all to use up here in Barcelona. Like I said, the whole thing could be over by this time next week if we get some rain. Then again, it could get worse. I'll keep you informed. For another drought, this one down in Andalusia, see my episode about the olive oil crisis. That was episode 55. I just paid another 10 euros for a liter of olive oil this afternoon. It's a whole thing. Other than that, check me out on YouTube. I'm Learn Spanish with Daniel. Go to the blog expatmadrid.com. 
you could donate to this podcast, expatmadrid.com slash donate. While you're on the donations page, you can attach a little note that says whatever you want. Um, you're more than welcome to let me know what kind of content you would like to hear here on the blog. I have varied interests and uh, I spend a lot of time reading. So I'm doing, you know, Spain stuff, Spanish history, Spanish language, all of that. I'm open to suggestions. Nothing more for today. I hope you have a great day out there wherever you are. Enjoy and hasta la próxima. Bye.